This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Shouldn't you be at work? It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal from Lord Bohinen! Still it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic scores. DPR could do with a bit of magic from him. Maybe this is it. It is! Andy Sinton from nothing. Brian Roy has headed for his interlead. Whelan. Oh, what a goal from Noel Whelan. No power on it whatsoever. But Taibbi has made a horrendous error. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, he hasn't. No. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And a man with the best barnet this side of Attilio Lombardo. It's Michael Marble. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> How are you both? Yeah, good. I don't know why I felt the need to go after the hair. No, I think that I, I, it just breaks it. Antonio Lombardo hasn't come up much. He hasn't actually. He was quite a fun, he was quite a comedy figure in the nineties. Even though, did he like play for Italy? He was certainly good, wasn't he? Definitely um, too good yeah. for Crystal Palace. But the thing that's talking of too good for Crystal Palace, we've got Richard Shaw on today. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, he was a bit of a comedy figure because he had what well, I think what it was because obviously like there was other bald players. But he's not shaved it off, had he? So he'd got no. the side bits. What's known in the industry is a Willy Thorne. He'd got he'd, he'd got a Willy Thorne. Yeah, exactly. I don't Gone think he'd know that. I think I'd have that if I let it grow back now. Would you be tempted? Well, no, because I think you have to be beyond a certain age to pull that look off. Like Patrick Stewart can pull it off. Yeah. I think at forty, you look absolutely insane. <laughs> Michael, if you could have the hair of one nineties footballer, who would you choose? Oh, how long have I got it for? And Chris, would you comment if Michael turned up with Carlos Valderrama's hair and was just but was just deadly serious? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether I'd say anything, but you know how you don't say something if there's like Tom Crane uh, of this parish, if someone's wearing an awful item of clothing, and you, you'd be aware of this if he ever does this to you. 
if someone walks in there wearing a terrible piece of clothing, his knee-jerk reaction is to compliment that piece of clothing. <laughs> My wife does this. Like, she, if she wears something I regard as a bit outlandish, she'll always come back and go, plenty of people complimented it. And I think, <laughs> maybe they just didn't know what to say. <laughs> it's really, like, it's garish. You have to comment on it, and you can't go, what is that? You go, oh, that's interesting, nice. Is there an argument that a good piece of clothing is like a referee in that it's best when you don't notice it? <laughs> you don't notice it, yeah. Now that you've said that, every time for the last three years I've met Tom Crane, he's complimented something I was wearing. <laughs> this is like when my mum told me Santa Claus didn't exist. <laughs> this is the end of The Usual Suspects. Fuck, I thought he was such a nice guy. <laughs> and, and you were such a fashionable guy. <laughs> I thought that string vest was a good look, but Crane commented on it. Um, uh, right, shall we get into some correspondence? I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Postbag. You've got mail. Uh, this is from uh, Dan Thompson from Stourbridge. Hello all. Uh, just listened to today's John Hare episode, and I'm responding to Josh's request for obscure ways in which football club owners of the 90s made their money. Step forward, Mr. James Jim Driscoll. Jim was my local club, Stourbridge FC's chairman in the early to mid-90s having made his money as the writer and creator of the early morning cartoon, The Shoe People. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you remember the theme tune to The Shoe People? Uh, yeah, I love Sh- that. Shoe People. Oh, yeah. Do, 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 it's really So well. I was trying to think about this. It was kind of like each shoe had a different personality based on what kind of shoe it was. Obviously, it was a different time. I think there was like a, a rough round the edges shoe that was a tramp, wasn't there? <laughs> You can't say yes. that word, but I think he was called Trampy. So I think, I think one of the shoes was called, but it was a different time. And then there was maybe a ballet shoe. Yeah. Was there a red stiletto, or was that a bit racy? <laughs> I can't. I just remember the opening titles. I don't really remember any storylines. The opening titles were like a conveyor belt, and all the shoes were just kind of dancing down until they ended up in a big bin or something. No, that's raggy no, dolls. That's, that's raggy dolls. That's raggy so dolls. They're all combined in my mind. I can't untangle the owner all of these owned, The guy who invented Raggedos owned <laughs> St- Staley's Rochelle. I fucked that up. The guy that owned the guy that wrote Raggedos. Oh fuck it! Doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. You get the joke. Leave it in as is. If people can't join the dots on that, <laughs> the intention was there. The intention was there. Because there was that kind of thing in the nineties where I realised the shoe people's different, but where like big famous people were like considered that they might become like i remember rumors that oasis were going to buy man city yeah and was there rumors that robbie williams was going to buy port vale yeah that rings a bell but do you think like these people's wealth is just simply nowhere near enough now is it i think i can confidently say robbie williams could have afforded to buy port vale do you think though Yes. I mean, how much would that cost? No, no, but then the overall cost of it, suddenly you're hemorrhaging £3 million a year or whatever. Well, it depends on Port Vale are going to go out. If Port Vale are going to go out and buy Alan Shearer, they might be in trouble. Yeah. I suspect. Like now, do you think there's a celebrity? Do you think J.K. Rowling could, like, buy hearts? I thought you were going to say J.K. from Jamiroquai. Do you think J.K. from Jamiroquai (laughs) could buy Port Vale? I don't know. I mean, how much money do you get from the shoe people? It can't be loads, well, can it? I've just looked into that while you guys were talking because I was like... I thought you'd gone quiet. Yeah, how much money is there in the shoe people? So this this is incredible. This is from the Wikipedia page, right? It was broadcast in 52 countries around the world. It was the first series from the West to be shown in a former Soviet Union. 
There's always money in that, isn't there? Huge money. It became so popular. It became so popular, they sold 25 million books. Wow. Wow. That's pound mad. A, pound a book? That is insane. You, that was a big thing in the 90s. Like, like things, English things that you don't really consider being big, being actually huge in these kind of like yeah. former Soviet blocks. Remember Norman Wisdom? Yeah, Norman Wisdom was huge in the former Soviet blocks. England played Albania in Albania, and at halftime, Norman Wisdom came out, and the crowd were, went unglued over the sight of Norman Wisdom. <laughs> it is weird, isn't it? Obviously, Mr. Bean is the classic Mr. one. Mr. Bean, right? I was about to say that. Yeah, Mr. Bean. That's so, so the shoe people, is it was a, I, I, I hadn't thought about it since I was a child, but now, obviously, if anyone else has got uh, football clubs owned by unlikely people, then you know how to get in touch. Now, I think we need to draw a line under this name game. Shall we try and find the winner? Okay, let's declare it. So the numbers of the name game have got out of control. Okay, so shall we start with this from James Smith? This is a no-quibble run of 27 footballers. That, that's his what? words. Michael, Charlie Adam, Adam Thomas. By the way, can I just draw attention to the guy who sent one that said, that started Neville Neville, Phil Neville, <laughs> and then he sent a follow-up email saying ignore that last email. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a he's got a zero. He's scored a zero. <laughs> Charlie Adam. Adam Thomas. Thomas Robert. Robert Elliot. Elliot Lee. Lee Todd. Todd Jordan. Jordan Graham. Graham Anthony. He used to play for our girl. Anthony Paul. Paul Bernard. Bernard Joseph. Joseph Christopher, Christopher Stern, Stern John, an absolute classic move I've seen played many times. Do you want to sing along with the next one? John Collins. <laughs> Collins. Collins John. John Terry. Terry Connor. Connor Ronan. Ronan Curtis. Curtis Nicholas. Nicholas Pepe. Pepe Juan. Juan Martin. Martin Taylor. Taylor Richards. And that's it. How many is that? 27. 27. It's a masterpiece. I mean, it's, it's impressive in its length, but I'm going to go back and echo my previous sentiments. No flair. No flair. It's, bo- it's boring. Sorry. I know a lot of work probably went into that with cross-referencing and God knows what, but it's just not enjoyable. Well, this person's got a risky 36. Can I just say, and that's what I want to hear. I really enjoyed Michael just then saying, it's impressive in its length. <laughs> Tom Halliday. <laughs> Ian St. John. John Collins. Collins John. Jonathan David, David Edgar, Edgar Davids, David James, James Matthews, Matthew Ryan, Ryan, sorry, Ryan Bertrand, Bertrand Robert, which in brackets is Lauren Robert's less successful younger brother. <laughs> now we're talking. I presume who's also a footballer. Uh, Robert Graham, Graham Alexander, Alexander Glenn, <laughs> in brackets early 1900s. Glenn Murray, <laughs> Murray Davidson, David Lucas, Luca Tony. Are you allowing Lucas into Luca? Yes, yeah. I'd rather they took a few risks. Okay. And it Tony safe. Adams, Adam Phillips, Philip Max, Max Arons, Aaron Pierre, Pierre Laurent, Laurent, Laurent Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Just Laurent. Lovely, lovely little shortcut yeah. there. Robert Lee. Lee Martin, Martin Allen, Allen, Allen Lee, Allen apparently played for Napoli, <laughs> Lee Matthews, 
Matthew Matt Elliott, Elliot Lee, Lee Dixon, Dixon at two, and you can't go on from there. <laughs> that's Michael. I would. I'd like to say that's the winner. Yes. What do they win? We'll send them some nineties goodies. Okay. Can we have the Richard Keys sting? It, 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 it was just banter. It, 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 it was just banter. 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 It was just banter. 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 Hi Japs, absolutely love the show. It just gets better and better and the episodes make lockdown bearable. Some best bits from Richard Key's blog can be found below. March the 16th. Postponing the season was a no-brainer. How that fool Boris Johnson couldn't see that, I have no idea. Perhaps soccer isn't on his radar. Just rugger. And sending children to school to play it during a pandemic. God help us. Do you know what though? I think I agree with Richard Keyes. January the 21st. If I could get all my predictions right, you wouldn't be reading this now. I'd have done the lottery when I lived in the UK and fucked off a long time ago. Predicting is a dangerous business. I've been haunted by mine that Everton might finish above Liverpool two or three seasons back. Liverpool fans have never let me forget it. Why they don't seem to remember, though, is that I predicted the title win for them last season and went again this time around. Well done, me. (laughs) (laughs) To say well done, me, without a hint of irony... What a man. I don't know whether it's because you narrate both of them, but that felt like it was the new Steve Barnes novel when you were reading that. <laughs> he is similar to Steve Barnes, isn't he? In that there's this kind of old school self-righteousness about him. Yeah. Do you, of all the people we've celebrated, who do you find the most fascinating out of Richard Keyes or Yuri Geller or Steve Barnes? In a sort of fantasy dinner party scenario. I think I'd want Yuri Geller there. Yeah, because he'd do tricks. <laughs> yeah. They're not tricks. Is He's actually a wizard. That's his whole trick. <laughs> I, I would want to I'd want to spend time with Richard Keyes. I just, I feel there's so much that is unknown. He's. I think he's such a deep, complex character. You could spend years with him and not really know him. I, I, I want to begin that process. <laughs> do you think that's what, do you think that's what Andy Gray's doing? He just can't quite get to the bottom. He can't solve Richard Keyes. <laughs> <laughs> the enigma wrapped in a riddle that is Richard Did Keyes. we did we ever have talking of our other cult heroes? Can we just do one more? Because this will blow your mind. We've got this from a couple of people, but Dylan Todd is the one I'll read out. Uh, thank you for everyone who wrote this in. Uh hi chaps, just been listening to another podcast where ex Sunderland and Leeds player Michael Bridges was being interviewed and the subject of David Batty came up. According to Michael Bridges, on an away trip, all the players were asking each other what they would love to do if they got the chance. Apparently David Batty's ultimate fantasy was to walk in on someone breaking into his house, catch the burglar, and lock him in the garage and torture him for a month. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's outrageous. But also completely believable. Yeah, isn't that just... Also, um, thank you for everyone who said there was a sighting of David Batty applauding in... Um, clap for carers montage as well so thank you for that as well he's, he's he has shown his head with respect this time left um, his house wide open as also for a burglar <laughs> to get in the back can we talk about something that hasn't really come up on here before which is that duncan ferguson beat 
two burglars, like it was burgled on two separate occasions and beat the burglars within an inch of their life both oh, times. Do you remember did that? that ha- no, I vaguely remember. Yeah. Huge story in the 90s. I think that story made so many headlines because you think of all the footballers' oh, all houses the to burgle, oh. Duncan Ferguson, and for him to be in and incur oh. his full <laughs> wrath. Because I think like the wrath of Ferguson on a football pitch is he's probably operating at sixty percent there, but like yeah. if, if you're burgling his house, Ferguson on a one hundred oh. is terrifying. You, do you think you're if you're burgling Duncan Ferguson? Do you think you're just burgling a random large house in say Southport or wherever he lives? Well, do you think the burglars kind of broke in not knowing whose house it was? And then there's that sit there with their flashlights. They they look around. They they grabbing all the kind of silver plated dishes and the jewelry. And then one of them flashes sorry, the silver plated dishes. What do I mean? You know, like well, I don't think Junker Ferguson would have those. But quite ornate, maybe expensive gun antique guns on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the flashlight cast upon a framed picture a picture of the Ferguson family and just <laughs> the single tear rolling down the burglar's face. <laughs> I like to imagine that that's as, as they turn to their right and see Ferguson on the stairs in his pajamas. Oh, my word. I don't think there's a scarier <laughs> footballer than Duncan Ferguson. Is it worth asking that anyone who has an idea of a footballer's house from the 90s that you would like to burgle and least like to burgle? <laughs> yes, it is worth asking. I imagine that. Alan Wright will be up there because he's most likely going to be in his bath. But if you've got any ideas, <laughs> I love it quickly, Kevin. Steal his gold-plated bath. <laughs> Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. So our guest this week offers a textured story of a 90s footballer. 207 league appearances for Crystal Palace. He spent a spell with Hull and is most known probably fans of this podcast for his spell at Coventry in the mid-90s. This is the story of that night when Eric Cantona got sent off, but a whole lot more. This is Richard Shaw. Our guest today is a defender who made 587 career appearances, becoming a legend for both Crystal Palace and the team we are always accused of ignoring, Coventry City. Here to write that wrong it is the man Eric Cantona kicked first. Welcome to Quickly Kevin, Richard Shaw. Thank you, guys. Thank you for reminding me as well. <laughs> While we're reenacting it, yeah. Yeah, good. We will come to Cantona. Absolutely. And yeah, Coventry. And Coventry. We will yeah. come to Coventry. Yeah, They're yeah. doing very well now. They are doing very well now, but we are. We ignore that, obviously. We don't, we don't like to look post-1999. Just to clarify, has anyone ever asked you about that, Eric Cantona? Um, I'd say January, January 25th every single year since 1995. My phone goes and uh, I'm asked to say something on the lines of Eric. But I, I guess it was... I guess it's just a unique incident yeah. as well because I don't think it's ever been seen Not before. since or since? before, really. No. Did you realise in that night, did you think, this is going to be a big deal? Well, I was, I was actually sitting on the floor from being kicked and, and being a victim, so I would say, rather than um, the accuser. Um, <laughs> but it was, a, it was a strange situation and then I just heard the crowd, there was a raucous in the crowd and I saw... I think if you look at the footage, Chris Armstrong sprinting towards the incident. I don't quite know what Chris was going to do, I, I have to say. <laughs> but he was sprinting towards the incident. And then the next thing you know, the first I saw of it was afterwards on you know, on, on TV. I'd never seen it live. But it was just... Yeah. I, mean, I, do, I do look back, I can see why people make a big thing of it, because it's the first time. I think I think since then, I think Jamie Carragher threw a coin at someone in Arsenal, a hybrid once. Yeah. But I, I don't think anyone's quite... 
gone to the no. length of, of Eric. Well, there's plenty we'll, of rumours that you're actually responsible for it. But we'll, we'll get, we'll get into we'll those. We'll come to that. <laughs> but let's start when you started out as a player. We're always interested with professional footballers. How much better were you than everyone at school? I was, actually, Josh, yeah. yeah. And you don't even understand it sometimes because... I think at school football, and I do believe this now, there's not enough of it, not enough kids playing so yeah. say street football, where you sit in South America where they get the ball and beat, beat 15 players and score a goal. Yeah. In them days, you don't see them so much now, but back in the day, it was like that. And I just, believe it or not, I mean, my goal scoring record was absolutely rubbish. Four. Four. Right. <laughs> that is, I think three of them, I was in midfield at Palace, so I, I, and one of them was goal of the season at Coventry, so that is my claim to fame, but... <laughs> As a youngster growing up, I was—I I mean, I scored loads of... You play for your school, your district side, your county side. And back in the day, you could go schoolboy training to every single club, whereas now you have to sign on for an academy. Yeah. And I was literally one one night at Southampton, one night at Chelsea, not the Chelsea that they are now, by the way. Yeah. Uh, one night at Wimbledon, the old Wimbledon, one night at Palace. So you could have a little flavour, but you, you was playing literally every single day and every single night. Yeah. And it was fantastic. And were you... What position were you in those days? I was midfield player. Midfield player. And then um, I wasn't too bad. And then I, I don't know why. I think maybe you, you start... I don't know, you always ease your way back. You have a, a centre-forward or a midfield yeah. player. But I, I actually like defending. I know it sounds bizarre, but I always had a good sense of reading the game. And, and I actually yeah. quite... I was one of them ones who didn't need to score a goal. I took great delight in... Either the game or keeping a clean sheet or being a being a destroyer. Which is lucky, sure. really. <laughs> it's it's, the game it's ratio. very lucky because my goal scoring record wouldn't have got me one one contract. Case, I have to say. What games did you play as a kid? Like, was it like three and in headers and volleys? What it was, was that, Chris? It was World yeah, Cup. Yeah. I'm a World Cup. I'm a playing at Kingfield Primary School World Cup and. And uh, if you score, you go through. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and the last one, that, yeah, the last, the last one, one scored yeah. it out. So if I, if I was on a lazy day and thinking about maths homework or something, I thought, well, I'll get within the group where I know I can be the last two and I can still score and win, just save me energy or something. <laughs> <on life. laughs> really? Wow. You would that is reading the game well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's reading the game well. So I think back then I sort of knew where I was. But, but yeah, I mean, you just playing on the street. You'd, have, you, you, you'd take some paint and put goals on brick walls and, and oh, play. Right. Just constantly yeah. play football. And there's not enough... Nowadays, I see people, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't play, you're overloading this. No, kids have to play. That's the only way they learn. That's yeah. the only way they learn. Did I, you think this could be it, a career for me? No. Do you know what, John? I, 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 I left school, and my first thought was going to work, work in a bank, believe it or not. Yeah. And I left school, and I was going to go to Sixth Form College, and then Crystal Palace offered me an apprenticeship, as did Wimbledon. And that was the first time it sort of hit me. I thought, well, okay, it's a job. You know, this this is going to be my job. Yeah. So I chose Palace um, only because I think we had, with the youth team we had a guy called Adam Smith there, um, who since went on to manage yeah, reserves yeah. And, and manage, and I still call him dad to this very day, um, despite him absolutely hammering me at times and this and that. I still refer to him as, as my father because I grew up not having a father, and he was a real big help. And um, so, so the, the the coaches at the academy level were so good and so welcoming. You, you, you like it was it was the only club for me that I was going to sign for. And on that day to day of that, like you, there's all the cleaning the boots and yeah, like, brilliant. was it proper? Did you it love that? It was brilliant. Do you know what? I, <laughs> and look, the game's moved on. Yeah. I understand that. I do. <laughs> I do. I'm not one of these people at Gale Gym. I'm not because and good luck to the guys today. And I, I do love watching football. I love football. I'm not yeah. saying I like it all the time. But I do love it. But it just gave you, it just gave you discipline. You know, this is your job. 
do it to the best of your ability that you possibly can. I'll say it to anybody now, whatever job you do in life, do it to the best of your ability. Have pride in what you do. And we had a guy called Maurice Druitt. Um, I said, I remember his name. And he would literally, before the end of the day, you, if your jobs weren't done, he'd literally go through skirting boards, be like, oh, no, dust for everyone back in, right? <laughs> oh, no. And, and he'd find, find yeah. dust in areas where you know no one's even going to matter. <laughs> And so we we literally leave there, the training ground at five, and I had to get three trains home. So yeah. I literally be back. And then I was up early doing a, a cleaning job because we never had no money. So I literally woke up at half past three every single morning and I worked from four till six as a cleaner before my job at um at wow. Palace. And then so you're going to Palace and presumably you're t- you're cleaning up there. Clean up there as well. I was a top, top cleaner. <laughs> I was very good at it. And I was earning more money as a cleaner than what I was at Crystal Palace. <laughs> and I was working from four till six, and then literally from six, I literally get a train up, three or four trains up to Mitchum where we trained, and start work. And because because I wasn't such a bad player, I was a, I was a decent player as my youth team, I played in the reserves as well. So if the reserves were away at, say, Tottenham, I'll get back at one o'clock in the morning, no car, bunking trains, walking through the park, three-hour walk home. I literally get in at one, and literally I have two and a half hours sleep, Whoa. and straight into a cleaning job. Done it for two years, and, and for me, it's sort of made me the person. Yeah, I like honesty. I like loyalty. I like people say it as it is. You like cleaning. Um, I like cleaning. <laughs> I'm very like cleaning. Yeah, cleaner. <laughs> but I guess that that's why they do that. Those drill instructors do that in the army is to get you kind of regimented and yeah. to get you make you work to a schedule. And I guess that's the benefit of doing that back in your day. Oh, every manager I worked under throughout my career. If someone was really strict with me and had a discipline, like Gordon Stracker, for instance, Steve Copper had it his own way, I sort of gravitated to that because I just thought, I like that. It's given me structure. It's given me a purpose in, in what I'm yeah. trying to do. And I, I actually really enjoyed was there that side of it. else in the youth team at that point that kind of made it out to the level you did? I was with John Slarko. Oh, yeah. I was with John Slarko. Um, John, was, John was a terrific player. And if, if he hadn't had the injury... Yeah. That he had, I think he played against Leeds. I think it was a collision with Mel Sterling. I think that night, if I believe right, Liverpool were going to make a bid and Bari in Italy. Really? And that night he got injured, unfortunately. Oh, wow. I mean, John was a wonderful, wonderful So player. quick. So quick, great. And he was he was a real, um, shall we say, cheeky chappy where, you know, he had a lot to say for himself. Yeah. John, a lot to say for I mean, I remember Ian Evans walking down the corridor at Mitcham, which wasn't the most salubrious of training grounds. He was his assistant manager. I remember John Salarco commenting, uh, quite funnily, on his new haircut. And on, the this, on the assistant manager. And the assistant manager continues to turn around, grab John by his big afro and put his head down the toilet, I think, <laughs> like toilet, someone along them line. <laughs> Can you imagine that now? <laughs> well, you were recently a coach at Crystal Palace. Like, have you ever run your finger along a skirting board and said to the lads, come on, what's this? Do, do you know what I have to say? Um, because I think because of my background, because of my past... We always, I always make sure the 23s clean the tables. And oh, whenever okay. they eat, I mean, you can ask, if, I don't know, the 23s, I mean, if you ever get Aaron Basaka on it, for instance, because Aaron was one I used to make, well, he'd clean it up, because he, he'd have dinner and it'd be rice all around his, all around his plate. And I used to go and throw him a cloth, and I was just to make sure, guys, I had, had the respect, because the, the, um, uh, the chefs there, they're not, they're not here to wait on you. You know, make sure you take your plate back, everything like that, and you clean the table. And do you know what? They really got into great habit. So they used to go around, clean the tables when they finished, and it was all done. And yeah. they've they got a lot of respect for that. Yeah. So, and I think that was from my uh, my background. That, and I hope that hope the lads take it on. Yeah. I hope they do. Yeah, yeah. At Crystal Palace at that time, there was quite a big character in charge of the whole thing, Ron Nodes. Mm. Did you have many dealings with Ron? Um, not so much because I was a I was a young player. Um, 
the only things I had with Ron, I think, was when I wanted a new contract, I think I was given about £5 a week raise and told Did to Did you have to it. deal with it? With him? Um, no, I used to go and see Steve. Yeah. Um, Steve, Steve Koppel. And uh, it was, I think, my first contract, I think, was about £90 a week or something like that. And I, and I worked out I was worse off than being an apprentice because you start paying tax. And I remember going to see Steve. <laughs> Steve was a very methodical fellow, great, great yeah. manager. And he said, basically, what are you doing in here? And I said, Gaffer, look, I'm going to be worse off. And he said, what are you looking for? I went, I'm looking for that, that and that. And he took one look at it, just went to scrub it and goes, you're getting that, that and that. Don't like it. Basically, go, go and find somewhere else. Yeah. And I, and I, and I stayed. And, yeah. I, and I stayed. And I stayed, obviously, for quite, for quite a few years. But contract-wise, I just deal with Steve. Um, but Ron was a big flamboyant yeah. character, obviously, yeah. <laughs> back in the day. I mean, I broke into the team sort of 89, sort of 90 you know, and, and went through. But that time, I think we came third in the Premier League. Well, you're in the senior time. squad in 89 when they get promoted. In and out. In and out. I was in and out. You weren't in the playoff games, were you? No. Did you go to the... Did you go to I the, did. They'd lost 3-1 at Blackburn. That's right. It was two legs in the olden yeah, days. That's right, yeah. So then back at Sowers Park, Palace went 3-0. That's been 3-0. That must have been... The crowd league. was... I mean, if you look at footage now, I think the crowd was literally about 10 minutes to go, standing on the touchlines... <laughs> you know, I think we scored the last one, and it was it was just. I remember saying in the stand about that. I think we got promoted. It was just it was just fantastic achievement with the players we had and what Steve Copper had done. How we united, you know, from from players that been in non-league like Ian Wright and Andy Gray and Tony Finnegan yeah. to the more established ones like uh, Jim Cannon, obviously, and Dave Madden from Arsenal and Southampton. Steve was just a wonderful manager who put these characters all together, and and it really worked. What was Ian Wright like? He was, just, he was brilliant. I, yeah. I remember his first session. Um, I think I was an apprentice and we were sitting there watching a practice game and he was literally running rings around uh, Jim Cannon and Mickey Droy, who were the two yeah. established centre-halves. Basically, they were just trying to kick him, but they just couldn't catch him. Just <laughs> and he'd come from he non-league. So, he'd come from non-league. And I think initially, I think Steve gave him a three, three-month deal and I think he'd been different clubs. But just... Just his acceleration, his pace, his love for the game. And you see it now when he's in commentary, he loves... Was he exactly like he is now? Exactly like What he, about the personality? Was he mouthy as well? Or? Oh, he had a lot to say. <laughs> oh, my God, he had a lot to say. But in, in a nice way, you know, if he would he would certainly let you know after games if you hadn't provided the right service for him or anything like that. But what a wonderful, wonderful character. I mean, if you, for instance, if you, if you set a goal up for him, he would come in Monday, like myself and John because we're the two youngest ones. And, and, and every time it was John who used to cross the ball for... If if John had crossed the ball for Ian and Ian had scored, Ian would come in Monday with one of his old cast-off shirts, like a Versace or something like that. Back in the day, it was like... Dead. And then we'd go out Saturday and John would have this shirt on. <laughs> He'd be walking around Croydon thinking, yeah, yeah, this is us. This is us. In cast-off, Ian, Ian White's cast-off. <laughs> You know when you say like he'd have a go. Do players have big arguments in the dressing rooms oh, after? God, yeah. I mean, they don't do it so much now, obviously, because it's obviously a different generation. It's a different mm. world now. We all know you can't say too much now because people take things so much personal now. But but back then, basically, like, whether it's right or wrong, yeah, you'd have an argument, but no, no one would hold a grudge. You'd yeah, do it because between three and quarter five, you wanted to win that game. Yeah. So anything went. Anything went half time, three to quarter to five, the service's not right. If you're not marking someone, if you're at fault, I mean, the rows I used to have with Chris Coleman and Paul Williams, and we're still, all three of us are best mates, you know, not doing your job properly, and, and you just get on with it. But 
they don't, it's not so much done now because Are it you is walking a into the dressing room thinking, oh God, I'm at fault here. Chris Coleman's going to absolutely destroy. Oh, I'm going to play one game. And poor old John. You go back to John again. Um, we lost three two at home. Not been to Watford. I can't remember who it was. And John has John has scored two goals. So you kind of think, well, you're exempt from this, by the way. You've actually done all right today. <laughs> we come in and Chris Coleman took his boots off. He just threw them at him. He just said, like, you were a disgrace today, you know, blah, blah. And I'm sort of sitting there thinking, but he's scored two goals. <laughs> and we've let in three. So, so it must be me and you, surely. Do you think that was a bit of deflection? I think oh. it was a massive deflection, yeah. He's sort of walking off the pitch. He's like, oh, he's going to get it today. He's going to get it. I think, yeah, but we've, we've considered three goals. Here, so I think they've got to look at ourselves. So you you come up in 89 and then like the next few years are amazing to pack for Palace starting with that FA Cup run in 1990 we were interested because um, is it right was it you played Cambridge in the quarters yeah so you came up against John Beck's team and John Beck's a bit of a legend obsessed with John Beck because of all these tactics he used to deploy like rumours of putting too much sugar in the tea and making the dressing room freezing did you experience that as Um, an away team I do remember at Cambridge the throw-ins and how long the grass was (laughs) Was it really Am I long? Like thinking yeah, it? that's it was, right. It was right. really long. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, there'd be like towels by the side for, yeah. for long throwings and things like that. And do you know what? I never have an issue with that because there's so many, there's so many ways to play a game of football. Yeah. I mean, people used to hammer the crazy game for winning the FA Cup. It's not purist. But what's right and wrong? Yeah. What that, suited yeah. Wimbledon suited Wimbledon? What suited Cambridge? And I've got, if, if they're, the players you're, they're the players you have and that's the way you play, good luck to you. You've got to try and yeah. find a way around it. But we did... I think that year the cup run really sort of we didn't play anyone of sort of note, shall we say, until Liverpool in the semi. Yeah. I mean, to draw Cambridge in the quarters was was a, obviously a good draw. A very good draw. <laughs> and I think we'd had Portsmouth and Rochdale in in round three and four. I can't remember we had five. I can't remember we had, but it, we had a really good draw all the, all the way to semi final. Before you know it, bang! When the semi final was like Liverpool went. How did this happen? How have, we, how have we got through to this? <laughs> and then you're playing Liverpool, but earlier in the season, oh. and you were on the bench for this. Yes, I was. Uh, Liverpool beat you 9-0 at yeah. Anfield. Yeah. So, let's go through that this, night. Well, how long have you got, John? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's probably one of the best... Uh, look, just to sit and watch it live, Yeah. that side, and you, you talk about Liverpool and how well they're doing now, but it's almost like people forget pre-92. Yeah. Or the Premier League. Liverpool were the, one of the best teams in the world. Yeah. Not just Europe, in the world. You know, the European Cups they won, the team they had. I mean, they demolished Forest 5 0, I think, the following year. Not the Forest were a fantastic side. Yeah. But that 9 0 game, if if you'd woke up next day and you'd gone Liverpool 21, Crystal Palace 0, you'd probably been about right. <laughs> it was just, 9 0 was, it it was, was kind. It was incredible. It was and were you incredible. sat there going, I mean, are you going? Can you appreciate that, or you? No, you can. And, and do you know what? I, I, the thing is, Josh, I was. I think. What's the atmosphere on the bench? Well, uh, I was warming up, but we got to two and three, and I was warming up. And I, as a young lad, you're thinking, you look at man, it's Anfield. I mean, there's yeah. the cop. You, you, I mean, like I said, I'm a big fan of football in the seventies and eighties, and you think from Shankly to Paisley, I think I, I want to get on here. Yeah. And I started warming up in front of Steve. I was sprinting. I was thinking, oh, I was trying to catch the eye two or three nil down. Yeah. It got to four and five. I just sat down. I just like hid in the corner. <laughs> hoping I was never going to get one. Um, and we actually missed a penalty. I remember we missed a penalty. And uh, Jeff Thomas missed it. Well, he got you back in the game. It was, I think at the time it was 8 0. And I think um, 
Gary O'Reilly must have sprinted about 30, 40 yards just to console Josh, to tap him on his bum and <laughs> kick your head up, son. <laughs> like, it's 8-0. <laughs> and one of the funniest things I remember, actually, is, is the game was going on and Ronnie Whelan, who was a magnificent player, hmm. he actually turned around, I think the score was probably about 7 or 8, he actually turned around to Jeff Thomas and went, do you lot train of a ball? <laughs> 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 it's just one of the funniest lines. You, know, you only get a change of afterwards, and back then they had communal baths. Yeah, yeah. And you just sit there, sitting there, and think you don't know what to say, really. I mean, are you getting in the bath even though you haven't played? Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Well, we're all in it together, aren't we? You yeah. find you. And what's people? Just, what are just people shell shocked. They were just shell shocked. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely shell shocked. You know, it was uh, because that, should, in my opinion, that should never happen. If a team playing the same league should not be beaten, <laughs> I know they've done it. To, I'm a Man United done it to think. Yes. Oh, Leicester have done it recently to Southampton. But the only thing I would say, I remember, I remember watching Liverpool play that day. And although you shouldn't get beaten nine 0 I know, but it was just a wonderful, wonderful performance. They were an unbelievable team. Did anyone say that in the dressing room? Is anyone like bloody hell? They're good, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I think I think Brighty did actually. Probably in a bath going, not bad, they might. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did your manager do? Like you can't be can't be angry like kicking boots. No, he's, he's just, Steve. Yeah. Steve didn't. Steve was a really really good manager. You know, Steve. Whenever Steve spoke, it, it always had a meaning to it. He was really good mm. with us. Um, didn't rant and rave. He wasn't one of them guys. He, he spoke with a lot of common sense. I just don't think he said anything. I think we just left it for a couple of days. I mean, obviously, you wake up next morning. There's no phone. You just go and buy a paper, don't you? Back of the paper, nice. So you're always reminded of it. And I think we had Southampton away on a Saturday. And I think I think it was all quite nervous. I think the players were nervous. Obviously, we drew 1-1. But even then, you had a fan say, that's a good result, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's one of them things that you you sort of... You don't have to go through it, but you go through it. And you actually come out better for it because... Yeah. And I know it sounds really stupid, but because when we had Liverpool in the semi-final later on in the year... That was what went through our mind. It might have gone. It might have given Liverpool a little bit of complacency as well. It might have done. It might not. Have. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. But I did see Liverpool were going one up with Rush, and they all just sort of lads walked back to the centre circle to say this could be another four or five. And and in our head, there's doubts until we scored the equaliser, and we thought, well, okay, we would. You, you won 4-3 in... Yeah. Oh, sorry, well, just before we talk about the semi-final, you mentioned the team bath there, and we were talking about this yesterday. The team bath is really something that's been phased out. <laughs> and actually, when you think about it, it's pretty disgusting. It right? is like, absolutely <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> just, how do you get in that? <laughs> I, I, I actually look back now, I actually look back now, and I, and I think see some of the things that... I mean, the way, like I said, now it's all individual baths. You, you have a nice baths now, you have a sauna, you have... I mean, the top, the top, top teams mm. will have all of that, but I, I don't... It's just bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> just in the bath, which is you're probably the fifteenth one to get in that bath. And what's it like in there? You're chatting, or you're yeah. You're just you're just talking about the game as if like <laughs> as if you're not in a bath it's together. It's, yeah, <laughs> but it's like a hot. Now it's all ice baths, but back yeah. then it was like a hot. Was it hot? Bu- bubble bath? Like, I've hot seen pictures bath, of bubble yeah. baths. Yeah. Like bubbles in there. Yeah, but that can't be good for your body recovery or anything, can it? But you know what though? We still played two games in two days and played a Christmas period and never never just got on with it. It was it was just a done thing. And this is when sports science people come to me when I'm working and that and give me these graphs and everything like that. Yeah, and like I said, I've never I've never sort of said no, it's not because it is, because like I said, the game has yeah. moved on. But I remember I, my my answer to him was Alan Anson played sixty games in eighty one, won the European Cup, the League Cup and the championship. It did, it, on pitches that were what they were. By the way, their recovery was a pint in the players' lounge afterwards. That was their recovery, <laughs> and they and they still they still got on with it. So yeah. I think we've gone 
too far the other way. Did you go and and you do the two teams have a drink together after the yeah, game? What yeah. What was that like after the nine 0 That was well. I remember you going in there because you want to go in the lounge because there's all celebrities in the lounge. There's a young lad you think, especially at Anfield. There, especially at Anfield. Jimmy yeah. Tarbuck. Jimmy, Jimmy Tarbuck. <laughs> <laughs> Stan Borgman. <there, laughs> yeah. Whale of the time. <laughs> you know, you look you look back now and. That great Liverpool side, all the great sides back then, and and the recovery, and you just couldn't. You, you tell you tell the young players the stories, and this is my thing with young players now. Is I remember saying to young players at Palace, "What's going to be your stories in, in say twenty years time, coming onto a show, yeah. Josh, when you guys still be doing it and talk about football in the two thousand something like that? What would be? Because they just they don't talk. They just yeah. text each other. They don't talk. Yeah. They don't go out. You know, we'll be all asking them about the WhatsApp groups. That'll be what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you will be. Yeah, you will be. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, WhatsApp groups are great. Well, because we spoke, we had Dave Besson. He's in a, like the crazy gang WhatsApp oh. chat. Are you in? A, are you in a WhatsApp a Crystal Palace WhatsApp from your playing no. days? Any teams, commentary um, or anything? Yeah, we all, we all keep in touch. Yeah, we we all keep in touch. Um, especially the sort of commentary era. I think like you get onto it. Ninety seven, ninety nine. Wonderful players and wonderful, wonderful uh, team led by a great manager, Strax. Um, team spirit so we all we all stay in touch Noel, Telf uh, Paul Williams and that and with Palace probably uh, Chris Coleman I'll probably sh- I'll, I'll stay in touch with Chris but it's one of the things with football that I remember leaving Coventry and staying to, well, Steve Stoughton I remember saying to Stan I said oh you know I think Stan was leaving I said we'll stay in touch he went no we won't <laughs> I went, yes we will he went no you won't yeah. and I kind of get what he says because that yeah. is what you do and I tend to, when I'm on a long journey, I'll go from my phone and I think, well, I've not spoken to you for So I'm, I'm actually quite good at doing it. But And then you then you meet up maybe two, two and a half years late on a coaching course. So I'm like, hello, mate, how are you doing? Oh, I've tried to get hold of you. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but once you get in a room, like I said, the room yeah. like this, say all together and, and you have a, a few drinks or whatever like that, then it all just comes flooding back. And Yeah. So let's go to the FA Cup final, which must have been amazing because you're quite you're a young player yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, so you've beaten Liverpool four three in the semi final, mm. which must have been astonishing experience. Yeah. Then you you record Glad all over your FA Cup final song. Yeah. Was yeah. that a fun experience? It was a, an amazing experience. Did you sing live? I think it was live. Really? Yeah, it was live. I was sort of in the back row. And, I mean, John Slarko thought it was Luther Vandross. He was, <laughs> he was just hogging the whole thing. For that, but it was it was it was brilliant experience. You know, it's something you you sort of think you'll do it again. Yeah. But you don't realise how lucky you are even to play in one yeah. cup final. You've no idea. And back you know. in the day, when cup final day is such a big event. Huge event. It must have felt so exciting to, like, get the suits and all that kind oh, of... all that. Josh, it was, it was brilliant, you know. And, and, and I grew up watching the teams on the coach with the cameras and everything like that. Yeah. I remember we had, a, we had an agent. Remember Eric Hall? Eric Monster Did Monster. Eric Monster Monster. So Eric was looking after our... our uh, players pool, shall we say? Yeah. And <laughs> I think he had a deal with it was what the glass. It might be Ray Bands or something. I can't remember. So he used to be getting a coach on the way to cup final. We said, "Don't forget, you got to put your glasses on." So we get on the coach with these big glasses on, <laughs> and it was like the Today newspaper. Do you remember that? I think they did yeah, with yeah. that. So we get in the coach and we start opening the Today newspaper and start reading it. But basically, if everyone can see the Today, so make sure everything was seen. <laughs> and then we had a deal with high tech. We had to wear high tech boots, but I think loads of lads were wearing Puma. Blacked them out and just tipexed, <laughs> so, just so we could get paid. <laughs> but we forgot there was a game. We forgot there was a game. Really? Like, yeah. we, we, all we kept it was Eric getting on our ear. Don't forget this. Don't forget that. Don't forget. You got to expose that. But it was. It, I mean, the day you 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 can't put a price on the day. I mean, for me, has FA Cup been devalued? Possibly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
should it be? No. It's just a wonderful, wonderful tune. I think you must look back in your career. I'll have to tell the guys now, what would you rather win an FA Cup or come fourth in the league? I'd rather win the FA Cup. Yeah. yeah. That's something you've got. It, I don't get it now. I, I just don't get it. We so nearly won. Yeah. 3-3 three, three after extra time. Mm. That Did it feel gutting by the end? Like, yes. Have, yeah. And that's because it's going. It goes for a replay on the Thursday. Yeah, that must have been a weird experience because you think this is the big day, and then suddenly you've got to kind of rouse yourself. Yeah, if Thursday, Josh. To be fair, was like an. I mean, we had a worst kit ever as well. We had his new kit, what Palace had never worn. I think it was yellow and black stripes, yeah. which was a one-off. Um, what you had to wear for the. We wore for the replay because Manchester United wore red. Right. We, so we changed colours. So the first go with red, obviously the claret and blue, or red and blue. Sorry. And we were 3-2 up with about seven minutes left and Mark Hughes scored. And you always know, even back in them days with Manchester United, you sort of know you only get one chance. Yeah. Because they were just a good good side and not as good as when they got to the 90s, mid-90s, late-90s, shall we say, but they had wonderful, wonderful players. Yeah. Brian Robson and Paul Lynch, Steve Bruce, Pallister. You, you played yeah. left-back, didn't you? Were you up against Neil Webb? Right? I, I actually played in midfield. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually played in midfield. Um, and I was up against Neil Webb. I, I, we had three versus three in midfield, and I was given the task of marking Neil Webb, which was a brilliant task, because Webby didn't really go too far, so I, I could just, like, stand next to him. Whereas if you had the task of marking Brian Robson, he was up and back, up and yeah. back, and that was a tough one. So me and, Neil, me and Neil Webb swapped shirts afterwards, and it was great, because there wasn't a drop of sweat on us. We were just standing in the centre circle. <laughs> <laughs> so he was good as gold, but... But yeah, you only get you only get one chance, yeah. and because I guess like you, you weren't favourites, so no. you, you don't go in there expecting to win necessarily. No, no. But when you're there, you kind of you got you got a little bit of a worry that you want it to go well because the whole world's watching. Yeah, and you're playing Manchester United, and you think, well, Liverpool nine, Palace nil. You don't want another yeah, scenario yeah. with anything like that. But um, and what was it like coming back on the Thursday then? Had you got plans? Like, were people like, oh, God, I was going on a holiday? Or... Do you know what? I bet some of the lads probably did, to be fair. <laughs> I bet some of the lads... But I think back in the day, you'd, you'd book your travel agent, wouldn't you? So you'd probably have to go to the travel agents and cancel <laughs> go it. Go down to Lumpoly yeah, and play like, in the FA Cup final. It's not like online, online now. You just cancel it, is it? You've probably gone in there. But, yeah, it was... It was. Um, I don't remember too much of the game. The game wasn't great. I don't yeah. think we had too many chances. And, you know, they scored... Obviously, Lee Martin scored the, or scored the winner. And, and, and like I said, it was... Uh, Sort of anticlimax from the from the from the first. Down One thing that did happen because Jim Layton was at fault for the goals in the first game is they Manu changed goalies yeah, to Les Seeley. Yeah, they did. Yeah. What was that like when you found out about that in the dressing room? Did you... you kind of, for us, it didn't mean too much because we just you know we just we just get on with it, but. This is why I think Alex Ferguson is, is one of the best managers that we've ever seen, because yeah. he makes the big decisions. That yeah. would have, that would have been easy to have just stuck with Jim, thinking yeah. they're going to beat Palace anyway. That's what that might have been their mindset. But then you to stick with, Jim yeah, would, would have been the easiest thing to do. But to do what he did just proves what a wonderful manager that man yeah. was to make to make the big calls. Mm. And I yeah. think I think Les gave, if I'm not. I think Les gave Jim his, his, his cup winner's medal, I think. Did he? Yeah, after the game, I believe. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I might be wrong in that. Yeah. That's what, that's what I heard. Um, so that you finished third in Division 1, but then the team kind of starts breaking up. Ian Wright leaves, uh, Mark Bright goes and Steve Coppola. Was there a sense that the, the team was being broken up? And yeah. Like... Yeah, it definitely. And I, and I sort of sense that my late days with Coventry, we have a big success, shall we say. Um, it's a shame because 91, we came third... Uh, I don't know if it meant a lot to everyone. We won the, the Zenith Data Systems Trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you still got your medal? Oh, I've still got a medal, yeah, somewhere. Um, we won, we beat Everton 4 1. 
after extra time, I think it was. So that was a, that was a at good Wembley one. again. At Wembley again, yeah, at Wembley. So good enough for Fry. It was good enough for us. It <laughs> was, was, was okay with that one. It was okay. Yeah. And then we, and then the, the team also came third, you know, and that in the Premier League days, pre pre the Premier League, obviously, was just an unbelievable team. Coming third yeah. when you've just come up two yeah. years before. Yeah, and the fact that we were banned from Europe at the time. I mean, Palace would have been in in Europe as well, which who knows. The and guy, then maybe the, the team would have stayed. stayed. Yeah, yeah, the team might have stayed. I, I, I wonder whether Ian would have stayed because I think Ian, you could see Ian, he was just head and shoulders above, yeah, above everyone there, and you could see he's getting superstar status, shall we say? Yeah, um, he was always going to be destined to move on. Did, did, was that you were you aware of that then? then yeah, we was. was. And, and the lovely thing about Ian was uh, when he went to Arsenal, he he got all of our phone numbers and he phoned every single person individually. Oh man! And said like, thank you for everything. You sort of helped him along the way. You know, not that I set up too many goals of it. <laughs> I don't really know why he called me. But, <laughs> but it, it, it was a lovely thing to do. Yeah. You know, I would just give you a bit of advice or say, look, good luck going forward and this and that. And I, I thought that was the mark of the man, you know, I really do. It was it was a fantastic thing to do. Yeah. And around this time, coming through the youth ranks, Gareth Southgate. Yes. Did he wear a waistcoat back then or was it? <laughs> no, his fashion wasn't quite as, as, as good as it is now. But again, we had, I mean, we had a wonderful period of youth players coming through then at Palace and it was it was rightly or wrongly it was a school of hard knocks mm. and you learnt quickly you know was Gareth Southgate a hard kind of because you you don't get the feeling I said I know he makes tough decisions the England manager mm. he seems like such a nice bloke he's a lovely guy he's an absolutely lovely guy but but don't get fooled he, he he's very very strong-minded he you know he, he knows what he wants even as a young player you know he got in a team he was he was captain of that team quite from quite a young age Alan Smith because uh Anna loved him because he was Gareth was like really clean cut, proper, you know, yeah. school, everything's right, shirt and tie, done up to he, he was, he really was. But he was just a wonderful, wonderful guy. Even now, I look at Gareth now, proud to have known him, proud to have played with him and yeah. you know, and proud proud of what he's achieved, you know, because he was he was a great young lad. He really was and you know, and he, he's done brilliant brilliant in his career because you he's you, you, Gareth's come into an environment of of Palace, South London and you know, the characters that were at the time. And it would have been quite easy to have gone under with some of the, some of the yeah. stick you would have got. I would field, go under. Yeah. In, in a heartbeat, <laughs> yeah. I would be gone. Well, I've seen so many good players, and I, and I, I always take some development, Josh. I always say, the youth team's easy. When you're in the youth, and one bit of advice Steve Coppel gave me, and he gave probably all the youngsters, is the first contractor you get, you're the easiest one. Yeah. Because you're in a youth team, you're, you're beating 15 players that we talked to and you're scoring in the South East Counties, this FA Youth Cup thing, which now is a phenomenon, which I never really get, I have to say, because it's just another game for me. But where you build your character, contracts two and three, where you're in a first-team environment or reserve environment and you're in that environment training with the first team, that's where you build your character. You became a bit of a yo-yo club at that point. Mm. Like you're going up and down. Yeah. What's more... Fun, struggling in the Premier League against top players, <laughs> or being in the Championship, um, as it's now known, yeah, and Joe, thinking really, we're bad. Really, this. really good question. Really, really good question. Obviously, being in the Premier League, obviously, is is or, the, or what it was Division One back then, is obviously the highlight. No one wants to get relegated. I think the year yeah. we got relegated in '93, we finished in the top four of everything. I think we finished fourth from bottom because the four teams went down. We got yeah. to the last four of the FA Cup semi-final. Manchester United again lost to them. We got to the last four of the League Cup. We lost to Liverpool, so we was in the was in the four of everything. <laughs> and we was the only I think it was the only time four went down from the Premier League. We lost oh. to Newcastle away, and we got relegated. And then in '94 we came back up, 
Was yeah. that like a fun season where you're like, oh, oh, do you know what? It was a great season. Really? It was a great season. When you come, but then when you when you do come back up, you're not like, oh, next year's gonna be hard. <laughs> well, we had so much fun coming up in '94 that we didn't even think about '94. <laughs> it was really good '94. Fantastic, fantastic environment. Uh, Chris Coleman was established. Gareth. You know, we was quite a young side. Smithy was manager, and you know, we played the games, and then we go out on a Saturday night, and then we come in Monday, and then we go out again, and we go down a pub or something like that, and we won the league. I think we won the league, and it was just the atmosphere and team spirit. I mean, there's different ways to be team spirit, but it's so important. If there's a togetherness, it, I, I will say it's worth. Ten points. Yeah. You know, it's a real together. And back then, it was really organised around nights out and alcohol. <laughs> essentially, there was that the crucial component in your kind of team spirit. It sounds yeah, like yeah, we just looked at the fixtures and the thought, where are we Saturday? We're at Manchester. Oh, where can we go Saturday night? What, 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 what we didn't think we had Manchester United or anything like that. Where do we go Saturday? Oh, well, Manchester United. <laughs> but how would that work? Would they let you not? They would say like you don't have to come back on the team bus. Like you can make. Um, oh, we always did because we we obviously. We had a good camaraderie, of lads. It was it was really good, and then you know we had Paul Stewart on loan as well from Liverpool, which added to it. You know, it was, it was a good it was good fun as well. And it was just I don't know. It just seemed to be that you come back and then on the coach, there'd be like be crazy lark on the coach on the way home. We just like oh, Alan Smith coming down a coach at one stage saying, you know, lads, just just take it easy. We got we got Nottingham Forest or something on Tuesday. But yeah, no problem. And then as you saying it, we just. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart have got these lagers just in black paint. I've done some of black them out. It just said something like twelve percent in gold writing on it. No one even, no one even knew what we were drinking. No one had a clue what we were drinking. Yeah, just take it easy, lads. Yeah, just pass another one. We come now to one of the most iconic moments in the history of English football. We mentioned it at the start. So, is it right that you were told you were marking Cantona before the game? No, is that okay? But you're known to be a man-marking yes. yeah. expert. What, what, why were you so good at man-marking? I, it, it, again, it because the way I was so good at cleaning, to be fair. <laughs> I just given a task and I just got on with it. So um, I, I just, Is it easy man-marking? Do you stick to someone? How... No, actually, mentally, it's quite... It's, you have to be really switched on because I've, I've been given a task of maybe just, just get close to him, like Zola, for instance. I remember... Money man, Highfield Void, marking Zola, and you know, I think it was a bit peed off. It last time we saw it was in Italy with Gentili, and there, there's me, Richard Shaw, thinking, Who's this little uh, funny man with me? I've been marked by Gentili, I've been marked by Costa Cruz. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, that mentally it's quite because do you chat to them? I've heard like jockeys when they're going around, yeah. they'll chat. Like, if you're stood with a guy for 90 minutes, are you acknowledging? Like, I, I have to say, I have to say, Zola was brilliant. Yeah, when, when I when I was when I was marking Zola, um. He was brilliant. He was he was talking, and after the game, he was he was great as well. You know, yeah. you sit down and have a chat. But like quite friendly. Uh, yeah, really. Yeah, he was he was he was just an absolute gentleman. I have to say, absolute gentleman. But do you want that? Don't you want to be a bit of aggro and like you want to hate the person you're marking almost? Like, oh, is it... that's, uh, yes and no, yes and no. I mean, there's there's like with Eric, I, I was never told to my area. I mean, that, that, a lot, it's just a myth. I mean, there's so much has <laughs> gone on. Like how Alan Smith said you got to. Get into it? No. So all that not. thing that you were kind of—it's been reported that you were kind of winding up because you thought yeah, you might get a I've, rise. Yeah, out. I've seen it. Yeah, uh, not a chance. No, not a chance. We Manchester United come to town. Andy Cole's had been bought for seven million or something like that, wherever it was, and he made his debut against us, I believe. This is the thing—you can mark Eric 
but there's another 10 players. Yeah. You've got Konchelskis and Giggs. You're like, how the hell do you stop them? Then yeah. you've got Cole, and then you've got Robson, you've got Keane, you've got Ince. You're like, well, what's the point of marking one person? <laughs> so that's a myth for a start. Yeah. Um, but you just fall, supposedly, the way the team yeah. set up, you just... The way it was set up, myself up. and Chris were centre-backs, and... Um, I've watched I've watched the game back many times because I made I had to be clear in my mind because yeah. I remember there was one stage where so I won't name him someone had bought a book out and someone had said about I was I was smashing him and things like that wherever it was and I sat around the pool in Menorca I, thought, I was reading I was thinking this ain't right so I found I found a guy who's represented as a lawyer and I said right this enough's enough and he looked at it, he said right it's defamation of character and so I was actually going to go ahead and. Just sue him for 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 that because I'm, I'd seen the game back, so I yeah. knew I knew it wasn't the case. Then I found out how much it would cost to do that. I, I, just thought, <laughs> I, I think I'll give that one a wide. Let's come on quickly, clever and yeah, clear yeah, out. I just thought, like, okay, I'll just put up the stick that comes my way. Now. Um, but it did get to that because everyone just just jumped on the bandwagon and writing books about it and things like. Because that. The, I guess they wanted to justify why he acted like yeah. that, and so we're trying to find someone. But if, to... you, but if you if you look at Eric. During that year, if you look at Eric's career... It wasn't a one-off incident. It wasn't, no. But he stamped on John Moncur yeah. the season yeah. before while we playing Swindon. There'd been and another incident, I think, earlier that season yeah. where he'd kind of... Bit John Polston at Norwich. And I, I, do you know what, though, Chris? I, I've got no issue with that because I, I always think... I like I like a bit of devilment in players. I like seeing it. And I think it's because he cared. Yeah. And I think what he achieved at Manchester United was nothing, like, nothing short of sensational. And I'll always say that because people want me to sort of say, oh, yeah, Eric, it? no chance. He was a wonderful, wonderful yeah. player. He really was, you know, and he he changed that team in the mid nineties. What yeah. what he achieved, and if if he had that little bit of devilment, so be it. So yeah, what so what was it like when he kicked you? It was just it, I think he just got frustrated. To be honest, I, yeah. I remember there being a throw in, and I had this habit of just wrapping my legs around on throwings, just pinching the ball away and things. And I, I and I think the whole game, I think at the time was nil nil. I think yeah. So and they were going for the league title, obviously, and it was a game that they really wanted to win or get something from surely, you know. And it, it was just literally that, long ball, and maybe just, we just got frustrated, but yeah. it, it was nothing more than just a trip. Um, and when that happens, do you think he's gone here? There's a red card coming. Um, I, do you know what? I didn't even know if he'd been booked. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't too sure, Josh, to be honest. Um, and I've just been on the floor. And like I said, uh, I was just literally sat there. Uh, I think I think Cookie had come over to me, blah, 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 something. And then all of a sudden we heard this noise and... And like I said to you before, I saw Chris Armstrong sprinting towards the incident. I'm thinking, well, what's he, where's he going? What's he doing? And then I didn't see the footage until probably that evening time. And obviously... Are people in the dressing room when you go back in, are they going, did you yeah. see what happened? Yeah, yeah. And you must be going, come on, that didn't... I actually was, yeah, I was. I was thinking, no chance. Until you see it back, Yeah. you you, you know... And, and back then, I guess, it is, it is a big thing, full stop. Yeah. But I thought it was great. Some, some said the Manchester United dressing room was even funnier because... Um, I think Gary Pallister tells a story about when um, Fergie's gone in there because they drew, drew one all. I think yeah. he'd, he'd hammered Pallister and, and Bruce, I think, Brucey, I think, and said, Oh, yeah, you should have won that game. He's hammering him. Right? And I think he's just telling Eric, because Eric, you can't do that, son. <laughs> <laughs> and he just carried on to hammering everyone else. And he's caused the biggest scene of it. Eric, you can't do that, son. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever crossed paths with Eric since? you ever seen him anywhere? I haven't, no. Yeah. Um, we played, I think, f- every time we played United, when at Old Trafford, it was it was always a uh, get the ball from throwing, it was a boo, like I said, you know. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, just... yeah, you know, I totally blamed for the incident, which was, which was quite funny. But <laughs> honestly, I, I can't speak highly enough of, of how good he was. You know, him and Mark Hughes, 
it was just a fantastic partnership. That that United team in '94 is one of the best teams I've ever played against, alongside the Arsenal team in '97. Yeah. Now uh, that year, Palace were relegated. Uh, your name, Player of the Year, for Palace, mm. and then you get called up uh, by Terry Venables as cover for the Umbro Cup. Yes. What yeah. was the Umbro Cup? The Umbro Cup was a pre '96 tournament, um, like a warm up for yeah, the... with Sweden, Brazil, and Japan. And what was it like? Turning up at the England, it was nervous. Yeah, I was really, really nervous because I was in I was in Tenerife the week before um, with Chris Coleman, Gareth, um, John Humphrey, six of us went. Ricky Newman, uh, David Matthew, and sat around the pool. I think one night, I think because Chris was always winding me up. Back then, they never had no phones. You had to walk to a phone box to ring home, didn't you? Back yeah, yeah. We never had mobile phone. Chris said, "You got a phone home because you've been caught up by England." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Sitting around the pool, I'll have another beer, have another beer. He said, no, no, I'm being serious, you've got to phone home. I went, and I just thought, because I was so stubborn, I thought, no, there's no way you'll get me to phone home. So I left it for a day or two. <laughs> and then um, I phoned up Paul and my wife, my wife now, and I said, hey, doing, blah, blah. She went, where you been? Because well, you've been called up by Terry Venables on the phone, or, or back then it was uh, Ted Buxton. I went, are you serious? And then I had to literally fly back the next... So you just carried on with your holiday for two carried days on. without realising. Carried on without realising. But we did we wasn't meeting up till maybe the week later. But yeah. when I got back I sort of done a sort of mini pre season for two days by myself yeah. or something. And then then I uh Burnham Beach as it was, um sent a car down with Burnham Beaches, first time being involved with international side and it was really, really nervous, but um it was the most wonderful, wonderful experience to, to train and play yeah. with, with the players. And uh, I know some of the guys couldn't be bothered to turn up or didn't want to turn up because they wanted a break. I, I get that, and but you, you make your own luck in life. Yeah. But I just enjoyed the whole the whole two weeks just being in that company and the, the sessions and and training and and meeting because it was Gary Neville's first meet up as well, or David Unsworth. So we sort of yeah sort of, sort of hung around together as, as as such. And but the lads were just brilliant. The characters. I mean, Gaza was just as a player. Oh my God, he's just. Yeah. No, one, no one could get near him. Yeah. Incredible. Was he, like, fun to be around as well? He was. Yeah, he was. You know, he was always he was always a the, the sort of joker. I think we had apple crumble one day, but a load of crumble on top, and he just literally scooped all the crumble off and sort of put it on his plate, and there was plain apples left, and no one was too happy. He was always, he was always <laughs> doing... say all the crumble? Yeah, he was crumble. always doing something. The stupid <laughs> just, just to wind yeah, everyone up. Just to up. wind everyone up. <laughs> just to play a crumble. Yeah, play a crumble. <laughs> I think yeah, his hair dyed blonde. I think it was, I think it was off oh. the Rangers that year. Oh yeah, yeah. Off the Rangers, so he sort of back and forth and sorting that out. But again, he made me feel so welcome because I was a new boy. And yeah. For that, I'll always be thankful. Him, himself and, and the more senior ones, and Steve McManaman and Jamie Redknapp were, were very good with me as well. Yeah. You know. So yeah, that was that was a really really good experience. A shame because obviously I didn't get the move from Palace. I was obviously leaving Palace, but. I didn't move till September, I think, by then, really, sort of had to stay in that sort of league to be part of that squad. So really. was there... Because then you moved you moved to Coventry that autumn yeah. for a million. When you got relegated, were you think I need to move back to the Premier League here? Yeah, I, th- I think, rightly or wrongly, I mean, I think a lot of players think that. And, and, I, and I look back now and I kind of think, could I have handled it better? Probably yes. You know, because I look back now and think, right, the team's been relegated and we're all in it together. We've all been blamed for that, you know. I find it sometimes I think maybe I did the I did the wrong thing, really. You know, at times I do I, I do sort of regret that a little bit, and maybe I could have done it a better way, shall we yeah. say, rather than being a paper to go I want to leave blah blah. 
So were you handing a transfer request? Was it like? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I did, and I kind of, I kind of like look back now. I think it's just immaturity, really. You know, a young yeah. man, and you see that. And well, you, get, I mean, you've just been in the England squad. Yeah, I mean, it's going to turn your head, isn't it? You're I know. With Gaza and and then you're getting this advice from obviously people outside of football. You know, it's that as you get older, you get more wiser, and you kind of think, right, okay, what, what would I do now? I would handle that better. Yes, I would. Um, and I think there was there's overtures from like West Ham and, and, and Tottenham. Um, and bits and bobs, and you hear the sort of things, and then uh, I just I think I got to a stage where I just thought, right, the next team that come in, I'm gonna go because, you know, I think I I've done my time really, and I, yeah. I think it was a bit um, to- toxic to one word, but I just needed to do challenging. Yeah. Change. Big Ron must have been an exciting person oh, to. Do you know what Josh? He was so funny when 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 Coventry came in, I was like Coventry, Coventry, Coventry. But John Slark, I'd just gone there in the summer, and, and I could see what they were trying to do between yeah. the team, so I went up to speak to Ron. And when we sat down in his office, and the first thing he said was, all right, son, good little guy. How would you mark Les Ferdinand? <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't even a how are you or how's the family. <laughs> how are you going to mark Les Ferdinand? I was like, right, he's just thrown it straight at me. And do you know what? It was just brilliant. And he was telling me if I signed, these are the areas to sort of live and, and buy a house. Or, and then Gordon Strachan came in and said hello. And, and I just thought, Joe, you know, it made you feel... Was he um, amazing to play for, Ron? Yeah. I, I, do you know what, Joe, Josh, I can see... I can see why he was so successful at West Brom and Manchester United because you sort of look at that and you think, right, West Brom was such a good side at the time and Manchester United were just a good side. Villa, we went to Villa, were they should have won the league in yeah. 94. But the common denominator, they didn't really need coaching because they were just wonderful players. Yeah. But us at Coventry, we needed guidance. Yeah. We needed that. Whereas we, when one would come out and it would be like Strax, Strax would set something out. Strax was way before his time. People talk about Venga and that. But I remember Gordon Strax and he used to come out and every session you'd, you'd be on a pitch, he set something up and it sort of linked it to each other. Really good coach, thought out well, this is what we're going to work on today. This is this is that. Yeah. One would come out and just go, take one look at it and go, What's all this in? You get, you get the apprentice and goes, right, clear it off, five aside, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and, that's, and Ron will come out in his predator boots, yeah. Ron, Ron on the tongue. And, like, <laughs> Ron and, the tongue. and then we do crossing and finishing sessions and Ron would be out on the right-hand side, pretending to be Manny Couts, and he would, like, <laughs> you have to ping the ball out to Ron. And if it went literally a yard either side of it, you wouldn't move for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he chipped this thing into the centre for Dion. The keeper would catch it, and he would just hammer Dion for not getting on the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> he was a brilliant, brilliant character. A brilliant. Well, he character. was like a leader of men rather than a tactician. Yes. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. He, he, you know, he had he had his his thoughts, and obviously, he's yeah. a good manager. You know, he's not stupid. Don't be successful as that without yeah. being not knowing the game. So he knew the game, but it was just the way his flamboyant character. I, I, I loved him. I, yeah. I, I, I genuinely did, and and you know. We were struggling at the time, and then Ron left, obviously, and, and Gordon took over, and that's when I think I went up another level with, with, with Gordon because of how he was, and he was he was a good tactician. His sessions were really good, and not that Ron wasn't. Ron, Ron yeah. was very good, and, and it's, it's a shame the way Ron sort of left football in a way with, with what happened because, for me, he just done, he done, I can only speak for myself, mm. he'd he done so much for me. Mm. Yeah. You know, so I'll, I'll always speak well of him. And did, um, what was Gordon Strachan like when... It... Ah, brilliant. Ah, he just... I think he's probably the best manager I've played under. Um, Steve Cobble gave me the opportunity, that is for sure, and I regard them two as, yeah. as you know, real pivotal figures for me at different stages of my career. And Gordon just, you know, he just taught he just taught me then how to sort of play out from the back and overall 
your yeah. overall football thing, rather than just being known as a man mark or something like that. There's more to your game. Yeah. And he, he was brilliant like that. And of course, it's well documented with the diet and the way you look after yourself. And he would do the training and we do, he'd do pre season at 45 and he'd just win everything. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> We'd be like, doing a fartlek, 45 minute fartlek, and he'd lead it. And we were like out hanging, and he's like, he just, <laughs> I had so much respect for him. There was a point he, when he brought himself out of retirement. Yeah, like, yeah. Did the players take a bit of offence at that? <laughs> so good. Really, we were actually begging to play. Gaffer, <laughs> <laughs> you've got to play. And you know, the two games we had were Arsenal and Chelsea, and it was that Zola game. It was Arsenal and Chelsea at home, and we won both games, I think. And basically, that made us stay up. And I don't think the gaffer could walk for about a month. <laughs> we, we, he had to play because he was so influential. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful manager. Wonderful, wonderful coach. And it was just a wonderful period of my playing career and life. Yeah. Uh, the, the two or three years when we were 97, 99 with the players we had. I know you've got Carlton coming late. Carlton, Gary Mack, David Burrows, Huckabee, Whelan, Telfer, Steve Fogger. It was just... a Fantastic period, great period. And is it the end of your first season? You play Leeds the last game of the season to stay up. Like yeah. the tension in those. What I mean, are they the most tense games you've ever played? That was, was that ninety six, Chris. Was right, that? It may have been, yeah, yeah. Because the following year it was Tottenham, one, wasn't it? The you did year, two years in a row. You two stayed years up in a row. Last yeah, of the yeah. season. Yeah. What are those I mean, days like? They were tense. I mean, I think the Leeds game. I think we drew. I think we just needed a point. It was the one where Man City didn't realise that. Man, it was UV Man City, That's not it. UV. That Man City. Man City could... didn't realize they thought they a draw was enough for them. Yeah, so they. That's the they... famous clip of Niall Quinn, the, the, like, yeah. like telling. I've yeah. just seen it on teletext. We need to win. That's it. Is it? And they're, they're keeping the ball at their back, strolling around. Everyone's going <laughs> mad. <What> are you, <laughs> are you hearing the scores when you're um, or... you? You get a vibe. You get a vibe from from the fans. Yeah. Um, you get you get a real vibe. Obviously. If they're effing and blinding at you, you sort of know you've got to, you've got to, you've got to pick it up a wee bit. <laughs> yeah. If there's people crying in the stadium, you think we're in trouble. <laughs> but when they're, yeah, you get you get a fight. In a, in, you know, in, a, in a perverse way, it's just such, it's a great atmosphere to play in because yeah. if you come through that, and I always think adversity makes you makes you better. If yeah. You, if you come through that, well, I say we come through that. We did it again next year. So <laughs> <laughs> you can't come through it that well. Um, if you do come through that, it does. It does there's something. Good or bad. You, Binds you. You haven't... All you've achieved is staying up. Like, the following year against Tottenham, where we had to resign, three results, kicked off 15 minutes late, and we still stayed up at White Hart Lane. There's people in the change room crying. I remember Gary Mack crying. And you, and you sit there and think, we're just deliriously happy. But we've stayed up. Yeah. And to some, that's not an achievement. But, but to some, it is an achievement, because it's just... It's one of the best leagues in the world. Yeah. To stay in, it's so easy just to go down and start again. And what are those nights like? Do you go out on a? Uh, we was off to Iron Apple, I think. Late <laughs> <laughs> After '97, I think we was off to retail for Whelan and um, Hux. We used to go. We used to go away for just a few days, just 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 to chill out, really. What was Noel Whelan like? Ah, he's food cake. <laughs> <laughs> Noel's is Noel Whelan is just he's just in, in, incredible talent. That's yeah. one thing I will say. It, he signed for me at the same time, more or less, a couple of days, give take a couple of days, and he was 19. And he's he's one of the best young players I've ever seen. Yeah. He had energy, uh, talent. I think the other the only one that would compare, probably slightly better, the best young player I played with, probably Robbie Keane, when Robbie came at 19 for yeah. Wolves. But, but Noel, which is two million to come from Leeds, unsort of known in a way, he strikes off you had him at Leeds. Yeah. What a, what a player. What a player. He just, with Noel... He just, he just liked to night out at times, and he was just, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, he'd get, he'd get involved in a few scrapes. He was, 
at, at times and that you think come on you could be you could be anything you know yeah and, and, and to be fair is that frustrating to kind of what frust- what frustrates me about about talented players and, and I, w- I wouldn't put Noel in it because Noel did work hard yeah Noel did what, 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 what annoys me about talented players is they've got so much talent but they don't have the application and the attitude to go with it and then it becomes a waste yeah, and I think because myself, and I, I met, I heard Stuart Pearce talking about it the other day actually, and he said said the same thing, you know. And I would never regard myself to Stuart Pearce. Stuart Pearce was a wonderful, wonderful left back, absolutely unbelievable player, but his attitude got him a lot of the way in his mindset, yeah. you know. And I see so many talented players now, I just think that's enough. Yeah, and it's far from it. And I see young lads now being guided by clueless agents, and I will yeah. say that, you know, and telling them the wrong things and oh, your talent's fine. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not. You've got to have the whole package to go with it. What category would you put yourself in? Natural ability or application? Application. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I make no bones about that. I, I, what I played to I was just short of forty. I'm very proud of that. And what got me there was my sheer bloody mindedness, and my upbringing with yeah. Maurice Stewart at Palace, with what I went through, you know, at home. She wasn't. We never. We didn't have any money at home. So you find a way. And my attitude was that, and, and, and it still is. And there are more talented players than me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to be honest. <laughs> players than me. But my, my attitude and my commitment to my profession and my sacrifices that I've made yeah. gets, you, gets, gets you a long way. Yeah. It really does. Um, when you are at Coventry, um, have I checked the dates for this? Were you there for the Dave Boost? I was... Yeah. I didn't play in their game actually. Didn't play in game. I didn't play in the game. Were you in the ground for it? I was no, I was I was injured, so I wasn't in the ground and so until I saw the footage come through. How did that affect the club? Yeah, it, it really did. It yeah. really did. Because he was he was a wonderful teammate as well, Josh. He really yeah. was. He was you know, you, you talk about attitudes, you talk about, you know, over talent at times. Boosty, I mean he'd be the first to admit that. He he worked and worked and worked and he deserved everything he got playing in the Premier League. At Coventry, great, great lad. Worked hard at his game, and for something yeah. like that, it was such was so so sad to see, because I I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. No, when yeah. you see the stills, his, like the players must have been really affected. Yeah, right? really affected, really, really, really yeah. affected. To be honest, it took a while uh, to get over that, you know, because because every day you obviously see Dave walking in and um, you know what he's had to go through and, and the rehab and everything like that. But he's surrounded by a lovely family, and he still works at Coventry now, so the club. The club have um, looked after him is the wrong word, but he has an affiliation with the club where yeah. you know he, he, he's doing well. Yeah. In a brighter note, 1997, you play Chelsea, and they bring the wrong kit. Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? So what I was reading about. This. So Chelsea, did they bring a clashing kit? Or... They bought. They obviously come in blue, uh, and and Chelsea being Chelsea, and I always think with Chelsea. Um, I always think Chelsea's got a touch of arrogance, and I, 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 I get that. Yeah. I get that because the Kings Road, and you go back to the seventies with Osgood and Hudson, and they are the party animals, shall we say? Yeah. So I do understand that. And then it, I remember, I think a couple of years before that, when I was at Coventry. I think they beat us six-one, where the keeper sent off, and I think they beat us six-one. And Ken Bates came in a change with a, with a, a crate of champagne and said, "Unlucky lads, you kept it down to six, but well done." And he put this crate. I remember. I think Carl picked up the champagne and started throwing it and told him where to go. <laughs> he was cold about it later. Wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> just Note it down. So Chelsea have always got that. Yeah, arrogance. Arrogance. Yeah. yeah, and I, I get it. So when they walked in, it's funny because at Highfield Road, because Highfield Road the tunnels there, and they used to walk in. We used to leave our door open, and we used to see the teams walk through. So we always had an idea of 
their sort of mindset. So Manchester United were coming back in the day, Fergie, they would always be shirt and tie. Shirt, tie, trousers, tie, and you think, they mean business. They yeah. actually mean business. Sometimes Chelsea would come in. When Chelsea came in, it was like, um, with Kazaragi and all them people, big sunglasses and everything like that. You think, well, okay, you know, we're going to get into you now. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, one leg up, one leg down, and everything bowling in and collars up and whatnot. And it was always that way. It was Manchester United, that's why I love that's why I like I love them in the mirror. Proper proper club like Juventus yeah. and Bayern Munich, do things right. Yeah. And um so I played a good kit and I think Rude Rude's come in and just basically come through the door and sort of said, Well, you're not changing. Well we're, 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 yeah, but we're at home. <laughs> <laughs> we're the home team. You have to change. And it's because it, because it was rude, Rude was thinking, well, my name's enough, so you not change, basically. And it was like of a standoff, and they they had probably our worst one of our worst away kits with the <laughs> red and black check squares, and they were running around the blue shorts. It just didn't go, you know. <laughs> You're talking about Chelsea from the King's Road turning up in that. I think we won the game three one, and I think some of the Chelsea lads just took after the game final just took a shot, just threw it on the floor, and just walked in. But look. It is what it is. That's you know, hilarious. It's, it's, you don't get the wrong kit, and, and we, get, we get blamed for it. <laughs> it's, mad, it's mad that that happens in 97. You think there's something yeah. that would happen in the 80s? It's well, just, just with a yellow kit. Yeah. I mean, every time we play Chelsea, they always yeah. wore the yellow kit. As a kit man, you've got very few things to get right. Yeah. It's yeah. mad. <laughs> you've got one job, as they say. You've got one, one job. <laughs> um, then Coventry, you do well, and then eventually in 2001, I think it is, you go down... And did you have offers to move back to the Premier League? Um, no, not I can remember, Josh. To be honest, um, I think it was a probably a period in my life where I was I was, I was quite happy. Happy, yeah. I had a couple of children too. My wife was living down south. I was going back and forth, and it's it's one of the ones we you had a few things up north, but I wasn't I wasn't too too fast. You know, I, I quite I was enjoying where I was yeah. living. At yeah. The time. You, and, when you're a football fan, you don't realise at all that players. Have a personal life, no, really, no, no. and that that's Not like that, yeah. such a big yeah. thing in decisions that are made. Your family, wherever they move, when you're watching your team, you don't ever think, no. "God, this person's had to move 250 miles I away." I know. Well, when, with with um, uh, I know usually with Plymouth, know... they have had to move. Plymouth, free Carl, I was there. You must have done that journey. Yeah, it's a long old journey. <laughs> but I, I just think that there's a lot of this. Oh yeah, but they they got they've earned that. They should be there. No, because you there is you still have a life. Yeah, you still have a family, and and you still. I was quite happy. I've always been. If I'm quite happy, I, I, I that would do me. Yeah. I've never been one that's got to chase this, chase that, or chase yeah. this. I've always been. I've always been quite happy. And at that period of time, you know, I was I was okay. The club was the club was. I know we got relegated. It wasn't great. Of course, it wasn't. But you could see it coming as per Palace. With you know, you start selling. Uh, Dion goes, Darren Huckabee, George Boateng, Hadji, uh, Hadji, uh, Chippo Stave, Hadji goes. You're talking about a unbelievable side just constantly... Eroded. Getting broken yeah, up. Yeah. Bobby, uh, Bobby Keane obviously goes to Inter Milan. <laughs> you're just like... <laughs> so you want to stay here? <laughs> here you go. I, remember, I came in late one day and, and Bobby was getting changed from his kit into his jeans. And I think I was injured, so I come a bit late. And I'm like, where are you going? And just as nonchalant as that, he just goes, just off to Milan, talk to Inter. <laughs> uh, just like that. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I'd be doing cartwheels, but yeah. you could see then he was an old head on young shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful player. Yeah, oh, yeah. My God, we used to, we was injured. We used to go out. We, I used to put my injuries. If he's injured, we say to the physio, "Look, can we come back at four 
and get treated to eight o'clock tonight because we want to go and watch Robbie train because training he just oh really he was just wow. brilliant the senior players would just go out and watch him train you couldn't get nowhere near him you couldn't wow. get nowhere near me he turned up in this jeans hanging down his backside he was like bright white he was like a young Irish lad and he, yeah. you know and I just think six million we like oh, well, okay but then you see him train oh my god was he the best player you played with at Coventry would you say um Certainly one of them. Yeah. Best, I will say best best young best young player I've ever seen. I played. Wow. Best young player I've ever played with. You know, he's just unbelievable. But Ronan Nielsen, in terms of in terms of professionalism, Ronan Nielsen was just he was just unbelievable. Wow. Really. He was just unbelievable. Wonderful. Great player. Great great right back. Uh, he really helped me because he sort of played next to me. I played centre back. Yeah. Gary McAllister again. You know, he's just just a legend. Just I don't see one passable like it. He had the fade, the draw, dropped it. He had every. Well, he ended up going to Liverpool and like yeah. this kind of yeah. period of his career after that. As we, well. we all thought it was like I'm a bit at Sheffield Wednesday. Was going so Macca, where are you going now? Then where are you going to go after the season? This and that. We just thought he was going to like maybe drop down a level or sort of go somewhere. <laughs> Next thing he turns up at Liverpool. You're like, wow! And then he wins five, treble. Five, five, five trophies. <laughs> or like that. Like, good, good player. I mean, I, he probably. I mean, uh, he probably helped Stevie Gerrard as well develop as well, playing alongside Gary because Gary was. You know, it made my job easy. I just get the ball and just give it to him. Even if he had three or four players around him. There you go, Gary. You know, he just made my life so easy. Yeah. Brilliant player. Yeah, you stayed at Coventry. I mean, you became a kind of Coventry legend in 2006. You get your testimonial. Yes. Which, 25,000 25,000. That is a sign of popularity, isn't it? Oh, I think it's probably a sign that Celtic came down as well, which, <laughs> <laughs> which obviously helps. I think they just won the league. And I was saying to you earlier, Josh, it was quite funny because uh, I had a great night. Yeah. Great night. But it was just one of the things where myself and a guy called Tony Finch, who was, it was, it was, it was looked after my testimonial committee, uh, he was doing that. And we went in to see the chief exec and we said, look, about testimonial this year, this year. I think the chief exec thought I was going to get someone like Solihull Moors or something <laughs> like that, right? So he said, like, we'll, we'll pay for the police, we'll pay for the ground, we'll, we'll pay for everything, we'll make sure it's all so that's yeah. right, that right, yeah, get it right in that. As it goes on, I, I sort of know in the background with Strax being at Celtic, I sort of know that I know it's going to happen. And then they won the league. I never forget what I was, I was in my house in Banbury, they won the league, phone goes, Strax, she goes, we can come down the 11th of April. And then she won the league about a week before. And it with timing couldn't have been any perfect, right? Yeah. So I've gone in next day to chief exec. I just, 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 just the uh, the testimonial with Celtic. My mate kind of goes, yeah, yeah. You still going to want to wear it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have we got Celtic? And you can just see his whole thing drop, thinking, <laughs> oh my god, what is this going to cost? Because, it's... <laughs> and he said, oh no, you have to do that. And we just said, no, no, no. Look, there you go. That's, that's what you're signing. <laughs> that's what that's what you're committed to. And so maybe there might be a few thousand that got paid, yeah. but, but who cares? Yeah. <laughs> who cares? It was a one. It was. It, was, it looked great. It was so a great. You one. get to keep the money in those days from a testament. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Were you walking out there trying to add up the? <laughs> no, do, do you know what? Do you know what? Not at all. Because it was. It was probably one of the first times my wife had been to a game, and my, my I had two daughters. I got three now. I had two daughters at the time, and my family had never really been up because my wife hates football. She hates it. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to her. And um, you know, my my brother-in-law and his family came up. My my in-laws came up, and everything like that. And you know, friends. It's first time sort of seeing everyone together. And to, to me, that meant that meant a lot. Walking yeah. in the picture with my with my two daughters, or well, my middle one, Verity, was crying 
My eldest one, Rowena, was just milking the backside. Who'd have thought it was her testimony? She was waving at everyone. I've got all the pictures, and the, and the pictures just give me so much good memories, yeah. you know. And it, Celtic were brilliant as well. I mean, they they were. I mean, them fans. I mean, I know. Do you have an away end in the testimonial, or is it kind of? I oh, I mean, Celtic scored, and I think I think it must have after that everyone just stood up. It was just. It wasn't a way in the Celtic was just atmosphere, but but the Coventry fans as well, you know, it was nice. It was nice for them as well because, you know, I had a, I had a good affiliation with the Coventry fans as well. And, you know, I like to think if you've given that, that service and and you've given all, you know, you've you've really you've I've sacrificed my family life because I I came home for ten years, I was home twice a week for ten years. Wow. You know, I missed I missed my children growing up and things like that because Gordon Strachan phoned me up on the first day. If I went in that house on the first day, he'd phone me up. I know what he was doing. It was Instead making sure I was there. Yeah. So for ten years it was, and I know people say, oh, "Yeah," but it still you still miss out on your children growing yeah. up. So that was kind of that was kind of hard, but 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 the game made up more than made up for it in terms of having everyone there. And yeah. just seeing everyone and, and just what a good event it was. And how does it work on a testimonial? Do you go in the Celtic dressing room and go, look, we want this to be 2-2. I want to score. <laughs> Is there any of that conversation happening? No, there was, there was none of that. I think, Get a penalty? I, I think we won. No. Do you know what? I actually didn't want that. <laughs> I the pressure. Did, because I would have missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. Because you know what? I remember playing against Russian Diamonds. Remember Russian Diamonds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the League Cup, we won, We were 9-0 up and with a penalty. And everyone kept shouting, my crowd high for chanting my name to take it. And I didn't want to take it. I thought, if I miss this, <laughs> I gave it to a young... I never forget a young kid called Robert Betts, who was a young youth department. So you take it. You're starting out. And he took it. I probably got booed for it. The crowd were going... But do you know what? It never bothered me. But no, I actually wanted Testimonial to be a game. Oh, really? I okay. didn't want it to be like five-a-side or anything like that. Yeah. I wanted it to be a proper game. And it actually ended up being a... A proper proper game, so it was, it was a lovely, lovely evening. It really was. What was the score? Uh, we won three one. Oh, decent. We won yeah, 3-1. good result. Yeah, so because they're normally like nine seven. Yeah, games, aren't yeah. They? yeah. Oh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Really yeah. good day. Really good evening. Nice end. Then you go to Millwall. Lovely, yeah. cl- lovely club. Do you know what, Josh? Do, do, do you know what? It's so funny because I was sat around the pool in um, Mallorca with my wife. Yeah, I was out of contract. I, Months ago, I ain't got enough club. I wasn't too fast. Things always happen to you when you're sat around a pool. <laughs> you always get big news. Doesn't it just? It, I don't, it just a bit about my lifestyle, doesn't it? <laughs> but I always seem to be, always about time. And, and this guy phoned me up and said, Look, do you want to come to Millwall? And I just went, ooh. Like <laughs> well, you just told me you're a secret West yeah, Ham fan. Yeah, because I'd follow West Ham as a youngster. Yeah. And I was just like, the Millwall thing as well, because obviously with the reputation that Millwall has with the yeah. crowd, etc. Um and obviously, I I felt that when I've been there at Coventry and, and things like that. I had felt that. Um, I wasn't too sure. And then my, my first thing was, do you know what? I'll come along because I was going to be the under twenty one manager, but also try play with the first team, yeah. bits and bobs. I'll come along, and see how it goes. And if if I if I don't feel this and I don't like it or any abuse, I'm going to go. You know, yeah. I wasn't too fast. But do you know what? What a great six years. I had yeah. two as a player, four as a coach, and. I bought into everything, the yeah. club, the fans. It, it's just brilliant. You so know. Chris not enjoying this as a no, West Ham fan. I, I know. No, I, I, I get that. <laughs> Millwall has the reputation it does because obviously because of the supporters. But even the supporters, if if you if you get everything, it's like any club really should be. Just run around. <laughs> if, if you run around and you show commitment, yeah, and you and you show you really care, and if you lose and you show you want to win and everything like that. They will back you. And you see when we got to the player final, it was about, I don't know how many it was, 
we play Scumfort. It's about seventy thousand Millwall fans and five thousand Scumfort fans. <laughs> you know, but I, 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 I do. I, just I, ran around. I ran around, but I can't speak highly enough of it, the, the football club. I really can't. I know it has the reputation. I know what it does in the community in terms of um, everything it does with, with the youngsters yeah. and racism and that. It, it does so much. It does so much. But I just think it's always got that stigma. But for me, I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed my time there. And the people there treated you really, in terms of directors, chairman, yeah. treated really well, really well. Skull hating here. Yeah, I know, Chris. As yeah, much as come on. Well, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, so, subjective. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so we, we we heard that you may have listened to a couple of episodes of this podcast. So we wanted to. You may know there's a few myths we have here. We might be want to hope, end by asking if you could answer. See these. if you could bust that. Did Did Chris Bart Williams have small feet? Do you ever get up oh, close? I've never heard that one. <laughs> There's rumours he's got really tiny feet. Was it like size four or five? I think I mean, it might have been size six. <laughs> Jeff it. Thomas had size four feet. Really? Jeff Thomas was tiny. Size four? He didn't have to play VAT? Size four or five is like his boots like that. <laughs> Chris Park Williams, no, never yeah. heard that. No. Well, we'll never change it to that. Jeff Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> you played with Nigel Martin at Crystal Palace. Yes. What were his favourite drinks? Because we found a thing in Match Magazine, Match Magazine, where he listed his favourite drinks, and they were bizarre. Did was he a drinker, Nigel Martin? Not really. No, not really. I guess coming from where we came from, with cider, Cornwall. I guess yeah. something, along, something along them lines. He was Cornish, wasn't he? Cornish, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice bloke. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. He had this tash and everything like that. Back in the back in the eighties, you did, didn't you? I guess. Yeah, great goalkeeper. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Unfortunately, I mean, for Perry, it was obviously not a great time. But when you let nine in at Anfield, I think the club wanted to make a change, and <laughs> that was that was that was the catalyst of it. Yeah, yeah. But Nigel was Nigel was great. He, he really was. In terms of favourite drinks, I don't know, Nigel. Really. <laughs> um, two final questions: four goals in five hundred and eighty-seven yes. appearances. Did, were you going up for corners? How does this ratio explain it? No, no, do you know what? I never, I never went up corners because I, for me, it's too much. You, you run up there and you never get the ball, you run back. So I just think, well, if I could just stay back there and just organise, which is what I was quite good at, that's what I did. And I, I, and by, by admission, it just, I mean, when I look at the goal scorers now, people who naturally score goals, it is an art. It's a talent. And it is, everyone keeps looking for number nines and, Goal yeah. scorers and somebody who scores twenty goals a season will win the league or keep you up. They will, but they cost money and they are good at what they do. Do you, you wish know? you'd scored more than four goals? Nah. What's <laughs> <laughs> well, a good job? Nah, not nah. really. Nah, not really. Because you can remember all of yours. <laughs> I can, well, that, that's the beauty of it. That's it. <laughs> I still have the goal of the season trophy at Coventry. You know, so I still, I still have that. What's that? One every hundred and fifty games or something like that. <laughs> Um, we asked this final question of all of our guests, but I think this question has a special pertinence to you. Would you go back to the 1st of January 1990, just a few months before that first FA Cup final, and do it all again if you could? In terms of the curricular career? Yeah, go back yeah. and live it again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, do you know what? I loved it. I just loved it. It was just a great time to play football. It was yeah. a great time to play football. And no, no regrets at all. No yeah. regrets at all. I, I loved it. Even my month loan period to Hull City back in 89. It was the best thing I've ever done. I drove up to Hull in an XR2. It's eight hours. No phones, no sat-nav. Big Atlas not knowing. Just makes you grow up. So, no, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing, actually. Not even tell Eric Cantor, just maybe calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, yeah. But, um, but no, I, I loved every minute of it. I loved every minute of, of who I played and who I met. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Richard Shaw, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you.
That was Richard Shaw, and um, finally, Shaw, the series after Huckabee, if we get any more, we don't talk about Coventry emails, really. We do. We don't talk about anything else. We've had a few creep in from Sheffield Wednesday, so I wonder yeah, whether they're going to be the next big bad. one. I do feel bad, but, um, you know, don't worry. We What happens is we get these emails. Um, I'd like to say we don't rise to them, but uh, absolutely, we just follow what you guys say. So, David Hurst, if you could just give us a call. <laughs> On the uh, Coventry thing, uh, we are in uh, negotiations. Well, not negotiations. Dion Dublin is going to do the podcast at some point. We're very confident of that. He's been very nice in text. However... A little quirk has appeared because of that. Um, Chris, you love this, don't you? <laughs> so, this is the mad so, thing about this podcast and the weird things that happen because of it. And this so is so. I've fantastic. been texting Dion Dublin back and forth. Lovely bloke, right? Never met him, but uh, the highlight is he refers to Holmes under the hammer as hammer. But uh, you know, at the start of um, lockdown, where everyone thought house party rather than Zoom was going to be the way that people spoke. So I've got that on my phone. And I've still got the um, push alerts set up. And, you know, some people have just added random people randomly and there's no reason. For some reason, one of the 10 people on my house party app is Dion Dublin. And <laughs> I reckon, I don't think there's anyone in the UK using house party more than Dion Dublin. I reckon I get 15 <laughs> push alerts a day saying that Dion Dublin is in the house. <laughs> I can't believe that if I had that kind of proximity to Dion Dublin, wouldn't you accidentally hit that and just see, just see what he's up awful? to? Wouldn't it be awful having never met him or spoken to him, but only texted him to suddenly be house partying Dion Dublin face you, to face? And then you click on it and he's in there with Gordon Strachan, Noel Whelan's there, <laughs> Darren Huckabee, <laughs> and you have your time of your life. Would you enjoy that evening if you got mistakenly pushed into the house party of Dion Dublin and his old Coventry pals? I'm thinking about moving home. Maybe I could ask Dion for some advice. <laughs> Has anyone been on Dion Dublin's Wikipedia recently? Because the first thing it says on there is he's a, a TV presenter and former footballer. Surely he's a former footballer and TV <laughs> presenter. <laughs> like, it's such a whitewashing, Stalin-esque approach to history. He is primarily a footballer and he always will be. Um... But thank you to Richard Shaw. Okay, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week as Ben Partridge joins us to finish off those famous Gillingham documentaries. Let's find out how Adi Akinbay and Tony Pulis got on there. <laughs> Until then, Robbie Slater. See you later. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.